Welcome back to the Act Two podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. And we have a really awesome guest today and also some really great news that I think is rather exciting about something new that we're cooking up. Uh, we're going to talk about that at the end. But before we get into that, please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can see any of our new topics that we're going to have coming up. We're going to continue our Pitching is Terrible series, which is one of my favorites, where we just break down specifics on how to pitch better because it's so terrible. We're going to talk about the notes process, how to build worlds and develop your mythology. So lots of really fun stuff coming up. Also, give us a rating, write a comment, tell people how much you love or hate us. And if you hate Josh and love me, that's okay too. No. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. I need the love. I need it. I need it all. If you'd rather DM us with questions, topics, suggestions, uh, you can reach up to us at act2writers at gmail.com. That's all spelled out. Or on our Instagram at act2writers. You can also find me, Tasha, on Instagram at Story Thursday and on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And me, Josh, at Joshua Hallman on Twitter and Josh Hallman on Instagram. It's my favorite part of the introduction. Yeah, you can tell. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tom, welcome. Our first ever time talking to you. I'm sure it won't be the last, but introduce yourself. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I am uh, Tom Dever, the Director of Development for Coverfly, and it's myriad of uh, programs and initiatives, services, and uh, tools for screenwriters uh, looking to break into the industry. I am not on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. <laughs> you cannot find me. So, um, but go this to is at, it. This is the only yeah, place you can it. find Tom. <laughs> burn, burn after reading. Um, but yeah, go to. Uh, Coverfly. You can find Coverfly on on all of those mediums. Well, we're going to get into what Coverfly is, but I'm actually curious because I don't know. What is your story? Like, how did you actually get into the entertainment industry? Where are you from, Tom? I am from (laughs) Toledo, Ohio, originally. So yes, I'm the one Midwesterner that moved out to California (laughs) after college to break into the entertainment industry. Um, you know, kind of bounced around early in the career, worked at, uh, got started as a reader at a major production company, got a chance to work, um, on a film at, uh, Fox Searchlight. And those were kind of my crash courses in lieu of, uh, film school. And yeah, then the sort of typical trajectory is go to the agency at that point, but I was like freaked out by the agencies. (laughs) So I kind of went a different route and, uh, you know, sort of ended up in the reading for the competition space and just kind of gradually grew into that. It's interesting you say you were scared to go the agency route because I remember as an assistant when I was kind of choosing what my next path is, they usually have just a shit ton of jobs at agencies, right? You can start in in the mailroom and there's all these really places that you feel like, oh, like I can I can make it if I just hang on. But then you hear stories of agents throwing staplers at you and just <laughs> harassing you like crazy. And I was like, I don't need that in my life. So I think we both made a good choice, Tom, <laughs> by not doing that route. I like I think I was too fresh from Ohio that I was wasn't like mentally ready for that. It, it undoubtedly is probably a very good career move to work at an agency, but I just know that I probably would have moved back had I gone that route. So yeah, it's not my personality type. It's not for everyone for sure. Um, 
So I actually didn't know anything about Coverfly till fairly recently. It wasn't until last year where Josh and I were interviewing Nicole Ramberg, who won one of the ScreenCraft uh, competitions last year. And I just knew Nicole because I was an assistant at Universal. She worked at Universal. And so I invited her on to talk about her experience. And she just started effusively talking about Coverfly. And Josh and I were both like, whoa, 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 whoa. Explain yourself. Because <laughs> um, Coverfly then, of course, not only led to her winning the ScreenCraft competition, but also getting a manager. And now she's just kind of off to the races. So you're at Coverfly now. You mentioned competitions. But can you kind of be a little bit more specific on what exactly is Coverfly and what are all of its component parts? Sure. Um, so at its core, Coverfly is looking to take a data-driven approach to talent discovery. And I realize that's very like buzzwordy, but essentially it's you know, this, this space is, it's very saturated. It's inundated, you know, there's, there's this explosion of talented writers and different sort of platforms and the need for content. And we're really trying to take away to take a data-driven approach to discovering talent and projects. And, you know, I think that that's kind of an important way to contextualize it because, you know, we're working with the industry to sort of, uh, refine existing processes to make it sort of easier to make it more streamlined to help managers agents producers executives find exactly what they're looking for that's the industry facing side of it for writers you know if you're submitting to competitions or coverage services or really anything that you have as an accolade or an experience or a score or any sort of way that you have tracked your progress as a screenwriter, Coverfly is kind of simultaneously providing a place for you to have your own individualized profile to track all of that, to track your, you know, the progress of your projects, but likewise be on the industry facing side of the platform to, you know, potentially be discovered for people that are looking for new clients and projects. It's, it's kind of described as a sort of a Match.com meets Rotten Tomatoes is the kind of catchiest way that we've been able to contextualize it. Oh, wow. So yeah. So when it's, when you say it's like data-driven, it's like, I would enter a competition. Is that how, I mean, like, how do you get like, sure, like, totally. Yeah, what is data? the process? Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, like, and creatives hear, uh, creatives hear the term data and I can almost sort of like hear the shivers down their spine, yeah. right? What is this data you speak <laughs> They're of? thinking of junior high math class and all of yeah. the anxiety of it. Um, but I think a better description for data is information, right? It's just what sort of information is relevant to, you know, the, the process by which people are optioning or developing projects or signing clients. And so you start with the perhaps obvious ones, right? Which is like, the title of your script, the log line, the genre, those are kind of broad data points. But I think as we've seen, we're really leaning into more specificity, which is the writer's background, the writer, where they're from, their life experience, their demographic information, like, you know, ethnicity and gender identity and things like that, that are becoming sort of increasingly important factors into these types of decisions. The ability for writers to both self-report it as well as us track it in addition to the metrics on the material side of things kind of comes together into um, the ability to search for it depending on what criteria you're using. So let me, because you're right, I don't have the mathematic sciencey <laughs> brain. Um, let me just see if I got this right. I'm a writer sure. and I live 
in Wisconsin. Yep. And I want to hang on. <laughs> my name is my name is Hal Joshman. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I go on to Coverfly and I create a profile yep. that I can put in as much or as little information about myself as I want. I can put in, as you said, my gender identity, my ethnic identity, whatever that is. Sure. And then I can start. Is it do I start uploading? scripts onto your site that uh, that I can then submit like use your site as a vessel to submit to all these different competitions do I is that just like uh, like a Google Drive where I can just keep my shit what does it look like at that stage <laughs> yeah it's absolutely I mean that's why it's the the most the most like clear obvious first step as a call to action is create a profile because the more that we know about you and what you're looking to do and what sort of things you write the easier it'll be for us to help you and so if you're a writer that you know, specializes in writing horror features and we're able to sort of have that, we can direct you to resources for horror feature writers, whether that's competitions or feedback services or even educational resources or other programs and initiatives that we run. In addition to the fact that we have industry members, managers, agents, producers, executives, that if they're looking for horror features, they're now able to find it because you have entered that information. And that's, you know, that's kind of the simplest version of it. But likewise, you can be using that as a writer that you have your whole portfolio in one place. It kind of is like a Google Drive to an extent that you've got the latest drafts. You can track all of your different submissions over the years. You know, I know that a lot of writers have you know, had a pain point of trying to do that manually of who did I send it to and when and what's their deadline and things like yeah, that. Um, you know, and all of that is stored in one place. And it's also, you know, I, with a, with a sort of data mindset to it, what you measure, you're able to improve, right? You're, you're able to kind of track your own progress and growth. And so by having all of the scores as broad as like, oh, somebody gave me a recommend or an eight out of 10 down to, oh, I got like a seven on dialogue with this, but a five in character. All of that is aggregated into one place for you to have a personalized, I say it's almost like a, a Fitbit, basically only for your screenwriting. Interesting. And so is there, is that every point that you just described, like creating a profile, getting readers to read your script and to kind of judge it and mark it on this scale, are those pay points as well? Do I have to pay to set these things up along the way? So it's kind of a combination, right? There's, if you do decide to go the competition and fellowship route, obviously some competitions have entry fees, some do not. Um, there are coverage services that carry a fee, but we do also offer pre free programs. We have a free peer-to-peer -peer, um, feedback service where you and other writers can read one another's scripts and provide feedback. Um, we offer free other free programs like a, a pitch week, which we just did our, uh, we do that twice per year and we just had the winter version of it a couple of weeks ago. That's completely free to submit. And we actually do um, table read performances twice per month that are also free. And so there's kind of a combination of pay services and products as well as free opportunities, but uh, actually creating an account is completely free. No charge for that. Awesome. That's, that's cool that you have the variety. So how does the data benefit a writer in terms of like getting recognized. I mean, like I get it where it's like, I'm assuming when you said you get like a seven on dialogue, sure. that's through, I'm assuming like a coverage program, right? Or something. Right. Yeah, yep. okay. So all these data points go in and it's like, wow, this is a match for me, I guess right. would be the best. Yeah, yeah. like uh, if yeah. I'm a producer, I'm like, oh, there's a match. There's a, 
this guy from Wisconsin has this amazing <laughs> fucking script. And uh, like, how do you how do you like match with someone? I guess I can give you a couple of examples, right? Um, so let's say that I am a literary manager and I am looking for latinx female television writers with one hour samples that skew sci-fi as an industry user you have the ability to search that on coverfly right down to that specificity with the tag you can also be as broad as i'm just looking for sample writers with one hour tv samples um and it's that ability because if you know you understand that on the side of an exec or a manager an agent that you're inundated right you, you have just a stack of scripts to read you've got 200 emails that you need to answer and you know you need to find exactly what you're looking for. So by having as much data on a writer as possible, it allows the industry to find you. Likewise, on the producing side, you can be as specific in searching for projects on the producer buying side, I should say, you know, if you're looking for, like I said, horror features or one hour dramas, you can search for that. But there's also needs of budget and location and characters. And by them being able to search with those data points as well, whether that is a certain type of setting or a certain type of tonal tag or a certain type of subgenre, or we even have a logline keyword search. <laughs> so if you wanna say, oh, I need a project set in Wisconsin, I type in projects with like Wisconsin and their logline and they're able to find it. And because what I think is at the core of this is, you know, I don't think that there's a secret sauce to tricking an industry person into repping you, right? Or, or optioning your project. Um, you can't really, you can't really make them want what you have. But if you do have what they want, you can help them find you and be your own advocate. And that's really where Coverfly is being that sort of matchmaking service of taking that industry criteria and matching them with the writers and projects that fit it. I think I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Just click for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, Tom, you're, you and, and Coverfly in general are at um, a very sort of critical stage in a writer's life where you're right at kind of the beginning stage of finally like those first few steps to really starting your career and being just, I think, at least for me anyway, so terrified about what that looks like. So let's kind of talk about some of the writers that you see coming through your space. Um, I, I would imagine you see like thousands of writers come through Coverfly. What percentage would you say are unwrapped, totally undiscovered writers? That's the tough thing about the film industry, right? Is it's like, it's not that big. It's particularly on the development and representation side. It's it's like the size of a large high school in some ways. <laughs> in everyone a, knows a, everyone. <laughs> right. And a metaphor that works in more ways than one. But, you know, the platform, the platform really is, like I said, the ability to kind of help you whatever stage you're at and the, and the needs are, if we kind of know about you, we're able to sort of point you in the right direction. So if you are a nascent screenwriter that this is your first kind of crack at it, we're able to direct you to the resources to sort of refine and develop the portfolio and maybe polish those drafts a little bit before you're ready to pursue, you know, optioning a project or representation. Um, but for the writers that are ready for representation, gosh, that's such a tough question to answer, right? Because it's such a subjective industry. Um, on average at the moment right now, we're probably looking at like helping somewhere between three to 400 writers per year break in. If that gives you, um, if that gives you an indication of sort of the, the amount, but obviously there's 
thousands, if not tens of thousands of writers out there looking to break in and on top of on the platform and, and trying to, you know, find the resources for you, whether representation makes sense or not. Um, but on the representation front, and you know, Tasha, you and I have talked about this, that it's being your own advocate is so important and getting yourself as far along as possible before kind of honestly answering the question of like what do i need a rep for right because i think that whenever i have asked a writer like what is the ultimate goal and not like what do you think is realistically attainable like what's the dream right if i could wave a wand what would you want to be doing i've never had a person say god i just love to have an agent someday <laughs> Right. It is like you want to be, you know, writing and directing your own features. You want to be a showrunner. You want to be staffed on a show. You want to be hired to write the new Marvel film. You know, that's the ultimate kind of goal. Um, and it's not binary, but it is independent of representation. Representation should be sort of serving that larger goal. Um, and the reason I emphasize that with writers is not to tell them that they don't need representation. It's just sort of like focus on the end game and get yourself to a point in the career that a rep can help you pursue that, right? Can can sort of further these opportunities and not just thinking that it's a, you know, being plucked from the claw machine and having a manager and now suddenly every opportunity is available to you. And that's certainly what we think as writers, I think. I mean, that's certainly, and I was working in the business and still really kind of felt that way. And then you get one and you realize it, it opens some doors in the sense that they're getting you generals and they're, they're, getting you more opportunities, I think, than you would have otherwise, because they're just, they have their ear to the ground, but it doesn't completely transform your career in any way. You still have to be doing so much of the work and you're right, you have to self-advocate. And you're also right because a lot of the writers I see who have the most successful relationships with their reps are writers who already have a very clear idea of the careers they want, the kind of movies they want, the kind of opportunities they want, because they can push their reps towards that goal versus people who just their goal is reps, then they get there and it's like it, they basically plateau because they don't know how to use their reps properly. They're scared to use their reps. And they also, as you said so eloquently, and I'm just reiterating you, but is they're basically just expecting their reps to sort of do everything. That is something I had to learn through experience because I certainly started when I first got my reps, I was like, okay, guys, like, where's my jobs? <laughs> and then it right. was a while before I had to be like, oh, I have to sit them down and talk to them realistically about what I want. And we have to work as a team. So I, it's, it's really smart that you are, you are so aware of it. And that, as, as you said, we've talked offline before about how reps shouldn't be the goal of these young writers. Right. And you have awesome reps for the record. I do. I love my reps. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. It's not like, oh, I had to sit them down because they were a problem. I had no. to sit them down because this is designed to be a collaborative relationship. Yes. Um, and that's how it should work. You know, I think if you sign with a rep and just kind of like crack your knuckles and put your feet up, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is. Uh, and that's a you... rep's worst nightmare, too. You talk to them and they're like, I can't do anything with writers like that. I don't know what to do with them. Exactly. And your reputation's kind of on the line as well if you start referring writers to reps and these writers are just fucking nightmares, you know? Sure. <laughs> like anyone, like not just you, but you know what I mean. Anyone yeah, who makes absolutely. the referral or recommendation. Sure. And I, you know, I think that that personal connection to it, because it's it's sort of this weird intersection, right, of 
yes, a personal component. It's you as a personality and them as a personality. And it's, you know, it's, it's your art, right? So of course there's like emotion and, and passion involved in it, but it's also commerce. You know, it's the, it's the film industry. And so it's this intersection of kind of like, we need to be able to communicate and trust and work together. But the purpose here is for me to find paid work. <laughs> and, and so balancing those two sorts of things in the most productive relationship possible. Mm -hmm. So speaking to that, what do you think is kind of the common denominator you see from writers who are succeeding? And is there maybe you can tell an example of like a success story to illustrate that. But what do you feel like is a common denominator for success stories? That is an excellent question. You know, I, I think maybe it's an, the obvious answer, but it's sort of like an unwavering focus, really, you know, a, a discipline. It's very like very competitive industry there's a lot of people trying to do this and i think the writers that i have typically found have the most success are the ones that just sort of have that tunnel vision and it's like this is what i'm going to do i know my strengths i know what i'm looking to do and i am going to find a rep that is supportive of that and, and sort of works with that and understanding that sort of you know that grit right that it's sort of every opportunity that comes my way success failure wash is, is this moving me closer to that ultimate goal? And you have to know what that ultimate goal is to weigh those opportunities as they come to you. Um, that's what I would, that's honestly what I would say is kind of the most like common denominator that I've seen among the writers that are breaking in. Yeah, it's interesting. As you were talking, I started thinking of Corey Deshawn, whom you and I both know and who Josh and I interviewed a while back. And he talks in, in his interview with us about how he got his first jobs in Los Angeles without a rep at all. It wasn't until very recently after he already got a staffing job on a TV show that he got a rep. And it's because of exactly what you're saying, as he was kind of holding out because he knew what he wanted and he knew what his career should look like. And he was waiting for the right rep to, to meet him there. So if you are curious about like how do, how the hell do you actually to get a career without a rep, go back and listen to Corey's interview because he talks about this exact thing and how he did it. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's like a ton of examples, right? That I, you know, there's there's a, a variety of criteria that goes into this. The kind of comparison that I make is, you know, it's tough to kind of think about yourself as a commodity, but by saying you should pay me to write something or you should buy this script from me, you're presenting yourself as a product, you're presenting yourself as a commodity, and you kind of have to think about that. Um, and I, I think the writers that I've spoken to are probably tired of hearing this comparison, but it's not like you just put a Nike on a shelf, right? There's this whole branding that goes into it of like, why it's cool, why you should buy one, why it's like better than the other sort of alternatives. And I think writers really need to think about that. Um, and in addition to this sort of like, discipline and focus, I think the writers that have really been able to lean into what is distinct about their voice and their experience and getting it across on the page is so important. And as much as I want to talk career advice, uh, there's no substitute for the writing being excellent. Uh, there never is. Like legitimately, I've never seen a writer that has gotten around that. If you're trying to break in and saying, oh, I'm the like action feature writer, there's like 10,000 of those, you know? <laughs> right. um, but what no one else has is your perspective, is your experiences, and is your, you know, your POV. Yeah. Josh and I were literally just talking about this yesterday. <laughs>
are, are you kind of like the last line of defense in the sense of like you're talking about reading Nicole's script and does it get like funneled through and they're like, this person is about to win. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me read that <laughs> script. Um, no, I mean, I think that it's uh, because there's, you know, competitions are so valuable at spotting talent right you know they're they're read completely objectively it's just scored off of what's on the page and like i said there's no substitute that's the that is the baseline is that the writing has to be excellent um and the competitions you know accepting submissions through Coverfly do operate independently of us and we don't have a say in who wins a quick question about the um the competitions because are you guys like you're an umbrella right uh that's kind of over screen craft as well right because that's what Nicole won, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so Nicole won ScreenCraft. So you're able to have a Coverfly account and submit to various different competitions, right? Um, and so you can submit to, you know, ScreenCraft and all the other sort of typical like Big Break and Page and the, the various competitions you're most likely familiar with. You're able to submit to them through Coverfly, um, which is sort of... Uh, what I was referring to when you fill out your profile and we have a good sense of the, the type of projects that you have, you don't want to submit your comedy pilot to a competition that's reviewing features, you know, or drama features or that sort of thing. Um, and by having that down to the most specific detail, because again, we have the data on the various competitions and programs as well. You can see, you know, who the judges are. You can see who the previous winners are. You can sort of see which scripts have, you know, won in the past to get a sense of like, are these the sort of people that are looking for material like mine? Um, and so Nicole did come onto our radar by winning the uh, ScreenCraft Action Adventure Competition um, because that's what she writes. <laughs> you know, she she writes those sort of big family feature scripts and had a competition that was selecting the best one of those with that degree of specificity to it. I gotcha. And does it make a difference if you submit through Coverfly or directly through one of the competitions? Like, can you, is that, I'm sorry if I misunderstood that, like for big break or something, can you do, do that all through Coverfly? And then it's like, boop, you're submitted into big break or. Yep, you totally can. So you can submit to any of those competitions, but you can also track your accolades on your sort of writer profile. You can list all of your sort of career accomplishments, whether that is placements in, uh, competitions or festivals or scores from feedback services or even just um, work experience like if you've worked in a writer's room or you've been you know worked at a production company you're able to list that as well um, we're really building out the amount of data fields that we have on both the uh, industry and writer side to just have as like full a picture as possible <laughs> So I have a friend who is on Coverfly, and he recently told me that um, there's a ranking system mm -hmm. called the Red List. Yes. Can you talk about what that is? Is that just what you're talking about right now? That's just called the Red List? Yes. So the Red List is, it's kind of serving two functions, really. One, it's a degree of 
I don't want to say gamification because it makes it sound like there's like a winner and a loser in that case, but it's a sort of way to track your progress, right? I mean, so much of writing, it's very isolated. It's very kind of unclear. I think what is kind of driving a, a person to submit to feedback or a competition beyond obviously the desire to, you know, get career opportunities is you want to understand kind of how you stack up, right? You want to see how people are objectively responding to your material. Um, and so the, the ranking metric system is a good measurement of sort of how do you stack up amongst your peers and not just of the entire platform, but other people writing in this format or writing in this genre or even writing in these sort of subcategories that we track scores on. Like I said, like, you know, where do you rank on dialogue? Where do you rank on plot and story and character development and things like that? And, you know, with a percentile sort of system, that's obviously not meant to be, oh, this is the definable truth. And you're like the 10th best in the world at this. <laughs> um, but it's it's like any feedback, which, you know, I'm Tasha, I know you said that that's a big component of it. It's like notes and feedback is this whole thing. It's it's kind of up to the writer to sort of pick and choose what they take from it. But it is valuable, I think, to you to sort of see, for instance, oh, I'm in like the 99th percentile on dialogue, but I'm in like the 65th percentile on character development. Does that mean that you need to race home and rewrite your script? <laughs> like, no, of course not. But it is helpful for you to know that like in a composite across all of these scores, people are generally responding better to my dialogue than they are to my character development. Interesting. So is it more of like a way for you, the writer, to kind of track your progress versus say the red list is something that's going to get posted, producers are going to read this and that's how they'll find me? So it's actually both because okay. it does do that on the writer facing side, but for the industry facing component as well, it functions more, I would say, like a credit score than it does a linear ranking. Um, because if there's, if it's bubbling up and has a certain sort of like red list score next to it, it's not necessarily us saying, this is it, this is 500 points and this is the best. It's saying, hey, we have enough data on this script. It's more of like a confidence rating, basically, that, you know, if you have one contest placement, it's not that we're saying that the, the sort of like ranking system is saying the script isn't good. It's saying we have one data point for it. Um, but if you have like 10 placements and they're all finalists, the score will be higher because it's like, there's a bit more consensus that this is a strong piece of material. And the score is entirely based on, the, the ranking score is entirely based on how these sort of various competitions and services and feedbacks have scored your script and the categories they're in. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. <laughs> so can, can you walk through, if I'm a writer who's won a competition by applying through Coverfly, of what happens next because as we talked about nicole ramberg is a is a fantastic success story she ended up getting a rep and she's kind of as i said off to the races with her career what is sort of the normal thing to expect as a writer applying through coverfly oh man <laughs> <laughs> there's no normal thing for writers to expect right that's that's the thing and this is what's so tough right and i love hearing uh, you know, the stories of how every person broke into the industry. Um, but the fact of the matter is every single person's story is different, right? Like, no, I've never heard any two stories be the same in a specific sense. Um, the biggest commonalities that I have seen is they worked really hard at both the material and networking and advocating 
And then at some point, there's just a degree of being in the right place at the right time. And I realized that like telling somebody to do that is maybe like terrible advice. And that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> but that <laughs> it is that terrible advice. I hated when people said that. to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very much so because but I, that's the thing, right, is like when you interview writers, there's some portion of them breaking in that is like, oh, and then I met this person who helped me, right? Or then I got to this person that helped me or it got to this person in some sort of way that's just not replicable for every single person um, because there is a degree of circumstance. And I mean, my gosh, we could probably fill an entire podcast breaking down the ever-evolving trends and market of the industry that are determining which projects move forward and you know which clients are getting signed. So there's like you can't write fast enough to keep up with that, um, which is why I think the key is really having as strong a material as possible in your portfolio. And the more that you are connecting with people, the more that you are finding who your advocates are, whether that is a competition that ranked you as a quarterfinalist, semifinalist, what have you, or you know, your friend that works in the industry or the Facebook group or whatever that you're a part of, of assistants or other writers, the more that you're cultivating that and developing it, you're increasing the likelihood of being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I was going to say, it feels like what you're pitching is like, you have to move to LA so that you can be in the right place in the right time. It's not, I promise it's not, I promise it's not. I mean, there is, I mean, here's a perfect example. Um, the, the pitch week that I just mentioned, we just had it. It's a free program we run. You could go submit to it. Not right now, but April 1st, you can go submit to the one that we're doing in August. And that is, we just get around 40 to 50 managers, execs, producers, etc., that are hearing pitches from writers. And we're not saying, hey, here's the writers that you choose pitches from. They're saying, hey, here's the types of projects that we're looking for and here's the types of clients. And that's how we schedule the pitches. And the most recent one that we did, um, and I don't know what details I can share, but basically there was an executive that was staffing a specific show and she said, we need a TV writer that fits these criteria. And we set up a meeting with, you know, five of them. And one of them just completely clicked with what they were looking for. And she's since been staffed on that show. And it's amazing. And is there any part of that that is replicable from a specific sense? Like, no, but you, you know, you submitted to those programs, you had a clear definition of your voice, you're putting yourself out, you're making your work available and discoverable for those circumstances. And that's, you know, that's essentially what you can be doing and whatever form that takes, whether it's networking, whether it's promoting yourself on social media or, you know, connecting with individuals and just sort of building this network of people. Um, that's kind of what you have to do. Yeah, agree. And everything you're saying is sort of a kind of a perfect transition. We, we talk a lot about this podcast. You and I have talked a lot personally just about what are the, the biggest hurdles that uh, writers face in their screenwriting careers. And for me, something that I hear as a commonality among writers who are very successful is that they don't do they don't embark on their career alone right they 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 come around to some kind of mentor accidentally or purposefully that they've asked to um, help them understand what the career should look like i i currently have mentors whether they 
they would consider themselves mentors or not, but people who are higher level than me, uh, who I in, am interacting with on a regular basis that we're working on projects together, who just the way they respond to an email is in itself a mentorship because it's teaching me like, oh, wow, like the way that they respond to high level executives looks like this. And that's, that's information I could never get except by failing and someone telling me differently. So I think like a question for you would be considering kind of all the hurdles that new writers face, how do you feel like Coverfly can address the hurdles, those kinds of hurdles for writers? I mean, the one would definitely be access, right? Um, I think that this is a very nebulous is probably an understatement, right? I mean, I, I don't know if it was like this growing up in Wisconsin, but certainly in Ohio, I had no grasp of what the film industry was. It, it didn't occur to me at all that there were these companies and studios and human beings doing this for a living. Um, you know, and so they're the way to get your material in front of these people or even connect or converse or even take a shot at, you know, speaking with them is not immediately clear to most writers, whether you live in LA or not, you know, it's not, it's not like you can just walk down Hollywood Boulevard and it's just a stream of managers and agents. <laughs> um, and so by putting it all in one centralized place where at the very least there is this point of access that is free and accessible and and clear um, for industry members to you know engage with writers um, I'd say that is definitely one aspect of it and you know the education aspect of it as well which which we've talked about there's you know the the kind of example I always use is if I wanted to become a lawyer, and I Googled that, I would get very clear steps of how to become a lawyer. <laughs> and yet if I Google, how do I become a professional film or television writer? It's like, oh, that's this big secret and we can't tell you, <laughs> right? And I think, you know, like you said, Tasha, it's like that person that can lay it out for you from their own personal experience, that's the closest thing you're gonna get to those steps because there is no one way to do this. There is no sort of set process for an industry. It is this very sort of volatile evolving thing and even when I am giving sort of advice to the writers that I consult or my department consults it's never like hey here's what you have to do it is I am drawing from my experience of the hundreds of writers that I've worked with and the you know the writers that I've seen break in as well as the writers that we've seen not break in here is what I have found works in this specific instance because you know that's how you're going to learn like you said that example of just sort of like when someone's saying like hey this is how something is done this is how you query a manager this is how you take a general all these sorts of things yeah it's so frustrating i remember when i was first trying to figure all of this stuff out i would ask people for advice people who i did consider mentors and all of them had a different point of view of what i should do and i was like i don't understand i'm coming from from going to school and like being good at school and loving school and at school it's very simple i do my homework well and i excel and that's just not the case in this real world of television and film and you're right like the the best sort of, I guess, career guidance I got was from people who would just sit down and share their experience with me. And then I would just kind of gather it together and do my best. And that's sort of all we're all doing, right? <laughs> In many ways, I feel like the biggest barrier between a fantastic writer and them having a career is just knowledge gleaned through experience. I was actually having a conversation today with a producer and she's she's fantastic in that she, she like you, has a passion for helping up and coming writers. And she found that these writers that she was sort of 
not mentoring that's kind of the wrong word because she was acting more as a in a producerial role but these these writers she was getting together and sort of grouping with other mentors and showrunners to help develop their ideas she found that without practical experience of how to develop a show what that means at just every level level literally like as i was saying how to send an email properly to an executive or how to behave when you're getting notes to all the way to like the realities of being on set and what budget restrictions mean for your script so all of that is just very very hard for any fantastic writer to know unless they are open to these kinds of experiences. And that's something that you and I, Tom, just started talking about. I don't even remember how we started talking about this. I think just like our mutual frustration about writers breaking into the business because you're seeing all these wonderful writers coming through your doors and people are at various stages of their careers. And we in Act Two are this network of mid-level writers who just have years and years of experience as professional writers and in all places, TV, film, we've come up as um, assistants or some of them just come from completely different careers and then just did a change. So we were talking about how do we bring these people together and wouldn't be it be awesome if we could somehow work out this partnership where our experienced writers could kind of work with your up and coming writers. And that's kind of where this idea for our big news of the act two and cover fly mentorship really came from. What a fucking segue. Wow. All right, Tasha, keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put it on Tom to, to kind of talk a little bit about what that mentorship looks like, what it, what it means. So on a monthly basis, we're going to have a, a member of the Act 2 community um, select a writer to mentor for a span of six months and covering really the specifically the career development. And I think that's what Tasha and our discussions, we just really drilled down to of, of what kind of this initiative with Coverfly is about. Not that craft, of course, is important and development and refining your material is important. But these other aspects of managing your career and these meetings and relationships and etiquette and all the weird little nuances and specifics that go into a career development that are very difficult to come by, um, getting them from professional successful writers that have been through it um, is really what this is about. So that's that's what the, the program is going to be. We'll be pulling writers from the red list and sharing them with uh, the mentor for each month. And um, that's what we're doing starting starting April 1st. Yeah, it's really exciting. And what was very cool was when we first started talking, I reached out to the Act Two writers and just kind of mentioned that, hey, I'm thinking about doing this and this is sort of what Coverfly is and the kind of writers who come through there. And it was immediate, the response is like, yes, I, I want to sign up for that because they know most of them have not, not actually had mentors and they knew how valuable that resource would have been and how much it would have helped them in those early stages. And so they want to be there for the next generation to be like, I didn't have this here, let me help you because I was floundering too. And that's at all stages. As I was saying, I, I have a mentor now and I'm sure running a show at Netflix. Whenever anyone joins the WGA, they always get a mentor who's an A-list writer because even the WGA knows 
you can't possibly know what's going on in your career. You can't possibly know what this is going to look like. Here, have someone who's done it. And that mentorship in the WGA is, as you're saying, and has is how we modeled ours as well, which is very specific to the industry question. So you, it was just sort of understood you never submit any script to your A-list WGA mentor. That's not what they're there for. You say, hey, I, I'm going on this pitch to such and such studio and I'm terrified out of my mind. Like, what can I expect? Um, it's those kinds of questions because I didn't know any other writers who had been pitching at studios. So I'm really excited. I know the writers on the Act 2 side are very excited to get started. And as you say, we're going to be picking a new writer and a new mentor. And the, the mentor will get to choose the writer through um, a set of profiles every month. And they'll work together for six months, have regular meetings with each other, and um, hopefully build a really awesome relationship that is incredibly helpful to, to both people. 100%. And I think that, you know, what you're saying on the material is it's like, I think that's just such an important aspect to understand is that they, they both go into it, right? Like, I believe me, I wish it was as simple as good piece of material, I send it and they say, great, I want to work with you. And we're going to make this. But you know, unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, the reality of it is that all of these other factors come into it. And that's why you kind of have to be balancing the career side, the relationship side, the networking side in tandem with your material. Um, and that's really where the expertise, I think, is going to be valuable for the writers participating in this. Yeah, especially for people, as we were saying, who may not live in LA or during the pandemic, can't actually network anywhere. Sure. You know? <laughs> Well, that's been the that's been the equalizer, right? That's the sort of weird that like we're all online now. <laughs> um, that writer that I mentioned that got staffed on the series through Pitch Week lives in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, anywhere you've got an internet connection. Um, you, you've got an ability to kind of do this. And I think I'm so curious to see the extent to which the industry is decentralized moving forward with all of us doing things virtually. Yeah, I'm very curious how that plays out. Yeah. <laughs> TBD on that one. <laughs> yeah. um, Tom, is there anything else you kind of want to mention either about Coverfly or the mentorship before we wrap up and go watch the Snyder Cut? <laughs> Just <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for giving me the chance to to speak with the, the two of you and your community uh, of writers and industry members. I, I think that... Um, it's, uh, who am I stealing this quote from? Um, I love being around people that love the same things I do. That just sounds like something I say all the time. Uh, yeah. Maybe I stole that from you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, we're all, we're all are passionate about the same things here, right? And, and we love film and television and for better or worse, this industry. And we all want to provide the sort of resources and ability for people to move forward in their careers. Um, and I'm really excited for this program. And for anybody that's curious about Coverfly, writers.coverfly.com, free to create a profile. Um, if you're looking for a, a takeaway of something to go run and do after listening to yeah. this, that That'll be my parting words of wisdom. <laughs> and where can they sign up for the mentorship if that's something that interests them? That would be, um, yeah, you'd need a public project, basically. Because um, that's a, you, you have the ability, if you have a project that's maybe like a work in progress, you can keep it private. That's not like a mandate of being on the platform. Um, but for consideration for this program, you need a public project. And I would really strongly encourage you to have as up-to-date and accurate a profile as possible because the mentors do have criteria that they're pulling from. And it's not just 
film or TV. Um, I mean, even with the most recent one, it was down to sort of like certain life experience and background and the types of writers. And that's how we'll be able to find it. Yeah, it's really, it is really that sort of match.com meets Rotten Tomatoes or whatever you pitched earlier. Yeah. Um, that is kind of how, how it all works out. All right. Well, awesome. If, if you're interested in the mentorship, go to coverfly.com, check it out, and hopefully we'll, we'll kind of see you see you there in the program. Yes, um, stand by. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wrap up with a quote of the day that feels appropriate today. I think new writers are too worried. It has all been said before. Sure it has, but not by you. Asha Dornfest. Now, please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And me, Josh Hallman, on Instagram as Josh Hallman. And then uh, Twitter, Joshua Hallman. You don't even know anymore. <laughs> no, I don't know if I can. You can't find Tom anywhere. He is a super big mystery. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably better that you're not on social media because people will just be avoid you know annoying you and like hey tom you know i haven't i haven't heard good things about social media particularly the uh that facebook thing so yeah oh man actually are we the idiots here or should you and i be getting off of the social media <laughs> yeah fuck yeah we should but who cares it's great it's like a drug that's terrible for you oh, no <laughs> Okay, as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.